Hey everyone, welcome to the Stewardship of You. This is the Peak Energy Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Darley. Our focus is to help busy leaders get healthy. We want to help you steward your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health because all of these are connected and they all influence our ability to lead. And like I say, every week we owe it to those we lead and love to, to bring our best energy. And so we gather with leaders and experts every week to learn how can we get healthier and how can we have great energy. Now, this episode is brought to you by Peak Energy Nutrition. And as a thank you for listening, you can use the code podcast at peakenergynutrition.com for 10% off your entire order today. These are premium supplements to help busy leaders. Again, the code is podcast. It's peakenergynutrition.com. All right, let's get to today's episode. I'm excited to have Chris Carneal, the founder of Boosterthon, uh, join us today. Under Chris's leadership, Booster has grown nationwide to serve more than 3,000 schools a year, and they have helped schools raise more than $400 million to improve education. Uh, if you know Chris or seen him, he is incredibly charismatic, has tons of energy, and so we actually sit down live uh, at the Booster headquarters in Atlanta to have a good conversation just about leading and leading through a really stressful year. And he touches on some really cool things, uh, his keystone habits and kind of the process he used to figure what those are for him to stay healthy and to really stay on top of his game. And so you're going to enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. All right. Well, Chris Carneal, welcome to the Stewardship Review. Glad you could join us. Hey, Greg, thanks for having me. I'm honored. I appreciate it. And thanks for all you do. This is awesome because this is actually, so we're actually in-person people. Uh, most, of, most of these have been done on Zoom, so it's actually great just to feel the energy actually in the room. It's like, oh, it's just, I've, Isn't been, it I've been waiting this for so long. Humans can actually connect in person? Yeah. Yes. It's, this, is, this is the past and the future. So let's, let's get the future here. Um, so we're here actually in the office of the company you started, Boosterthon. And so I'd love to Man, give us a kind of overview, give us a flyby of, you know, your kind of entrepreneurial journey, now leadership journey of, you know, starting the company and kind of where it's come from and where we're at now, and then yep. we'll kind of dive in from there. Well, this year was very unique. The previous 18 years was uh, a roller coaster ride on the way up. This year was a roller coaster ride on the way down. We look forward to a rocket ship next year to come. But if anybody is familiar with being an entrepreneur or living with entrepreneurs or living the, uh, the startup life, it's adventure-filled, it's thrilling, it's exciting, it's unknown. You gotta be built for it, uh, but it is the ride of a lifetime. And I feel like I've been extremely blessed by the Lord and my wife and family and friends to be able to have a, an adventure the past 18 years, which was basically, what our organization does is we are an alternative to the traditional product sale fundraisers that schools across America do, that most of your listeners probably remember when they like or their wrapping, kids, wrapping paper, yes, yeah, that's so, yeah. cookie dough, <laughs> magazines. Well, back in 2001, after I finished playing baseball at Sanford University, I started doing some baseball lessons. And one of the kids that I was <clears throat> giving a lesson to asked if I wanted to buy cookie dough and wrapping paper. And I thought there's gotta be a better way to do fundraising. And I remember there was a few years of my childhood where our PE department and my dad, who was the president of the Booster Club, hosted this fun run. So I remember calling my dad and saying, uh, do you think schools would do fun runs like I did? And like, do they do that? He's like, well, we did it and some schools do it, but it is so much work to organize, to promote, to reward the students, to keep up with everything. But I think you should 
see if the schools would be interested. You're working with kids, you, you're working with sports, and my mom was a, a college professor and educator, so I grew up in an educator's home. I knew the language, I knew their stresses and successes. So uh, I started to pitch it to schools all over. Friends that had parents who were teachers, people I knew that were in schools. I was 0 for 50, 0 for 49. The 50th school said, all right, let's try it. And I had to guarantee uh, that they would beat what they previously raised in the past, and they did, and I was shocked. Uh, they, they, were, they, I, they asked me to guarantee 3500 That's what they had to have if they were going to cancel their other product sales. So I guaranteed, and I didn't tell my now wife of 19 years at the time, I was guaranteeing our honeymoon money on this. Uh, but I was as surprised as they were. The school profited 21000 not just 3500 So I knew I was on to something. I knew it had potential, but to see it actually happen, to see the client's eyebrows lift and their eyes get excited. And so... Um, then I, I went to grad school in Kentucky and moved to Georgia a few years later and made my first hire uh, 15, 16 years ago, actually. Signed up a couple more clients, a couple more clients, dro- drove all over the country. Uh, so from 2015, 20, excuse me, 2005 to 2008 was a fun ride. New idea, new product, new, 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 new sales. And it was exciting, it was different, and it was working. And then the recession hit, and we about went out of business. And so then I had to learn business. I didn't, never had a business class, uh, so I had to figure out <laughs> how do we scale and what is, what is true margin and profit and you know, whole P&L look like. Then we started to rebuild in the, in the 2010s and actually became a national organization. We ran 20,000 fund runs in all 50 states. And uh, currently, to date, as of today, we've raised schools across the country $480 million of school profit, not the revenue we take and the expenses we pay for, but school profit. And then 13 months ago, COVID hit, and every school in America shut down. So we were without revenue for 173 days. That alone is its own separate podcast of the past year. Uh, for the moment, I'll block out some of that and let you know that we did have to resize. It was very painful and challenging. But students, for their physical, emotional, social health and schools, we are betting on a big American comeback centered around elementary students and elementary schools that they need help and their budgets have been cut and we want to host events take work off the plates of administrators and teachers help raise schools much needed funds uh and basically help america get back to uh, not not back to where they where we were but really to to be better than we ever were yeah so that's i mean that's just a crazy journey you know and i I mean that was that really was a good flyby but i mean to go from idea on the you know baseball field to you know 400 million dollars you know raised for clients over you know almost two decades now i'd love for you to dive in your just process of leading and your Mm. kind of journey of leading one of the things that i've noticed from afar and just you know us being friends for for many years is and you've been committed to you know, at least the last you know decade that I've known you of man staying trying to stay healthy and yep. I mean working out and you know really having good personal systems in place. So the first question is, has it always been that way, or mm. was there something where it's like, oh wow, I need to make a change? Yeah, um, great question. And then let's talk. I'd love to talk kind of what does that actually look like for you as yeah. you're you know leading. Well, great question. There's so many dimensions of health. Um, my wife 
uh, in the past few years has allowed me to discover that there is a whole nother level of emotional health that I, as a, I don't know, just a, a guy who's not nearly as uh, emotionally in tune to the world or to her or to others as, as I, I could have been. So learning that, always knew of physical health, playing high school and college baseball. Um, but then, you know, let's start with physical. When, when, when college baseball ended, I started doing baseball lessons. I started a company named Fun Run. So I always valued it. But when you shift from six hours a day of Division One sports to married, grad school student, uh, hey, it's Friday night, let's just eat some pizza. All of it, you, you can get out of shape quickly, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially when you're used to Well, rounds team. of shape. That's what yes. I remember, rounds of shape, people. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I was not as physically healthy, and I had a pretty high standard for Division I baseball. Um, but it was probably 2010. There's probably five, six years where I just was not as in the shape. But when I, late 20s, really hitting 30, like, okay, what do my 30s look like? This, needs, this decade needs to be defined by health. I'm 40 now. Uh, but I, man, I started, I joined a, a CrossFit gym um, called Iron Tribe. A friend of mine out of Birmingham runs it, and it's one here in Johns Creek, Georgia. And, uh, it's everything my personality likes. My wife tried it, and she, she did not love the style. The style is CrossFit, but it's community. Uh, it's a scoreboard. There's a clock. It's competitive. It made me feel, uh, it brought out of me what I loved about college sports and high school sports. Like, man, it's, it's competition. And just getting out of bed and doing a 5 a.m. workout, and it's pre-programmed for me. I don't have to think about what I do. And there's another class starting at 5.45, so there's a time constraint. I'm not going to waste time. That was incredible for me. I actually learned that a early morning workout that I still do three and a half times a week, some, some days four or five, weeks four or five, sometimes three, uh, is a keystone habit in my life. It doesn't just help me physically. It helps me emotionally, spiritually, socially, mentally. I'm sharper on days that I work out. So that's that's physical, um, and and along with you know when you're working out and doing physical activity, you're more aware of what you're putting in your body in terms of uh, food and health. Um, I'd say social, spiritual, emotional though has been uh, a, just a great journey. What what fuels me emotionally? socially and spiritually. I'm a very high extrovert. I'm an <laughs> ENFP Myers-Briggs. I am a very much an Enneagram 7 with an 8-wing, but very 7. Um, so I love people. I love experiences. I love... And I've learned that sometimes that personality type, because see, people will see the flash or they'll see on social media a party, they won't necessarily see the depth. So I've, I've really focused with my wife's health help and in uh, her emotional depth just on hey I, I i can be still i'm a i'm a more holistic and healthy person when i listen more than i talk when i'm still not just active uh when i think deeper when maybe i'm with a few even though my tendency would be to be with a large group so growth mindset i think is stretching yourself in areas that you know are not just natural but hey i want to be good one-on-one i know i'm good in a group or i want to be good in deep conversations, not just broad conversations. So it's a little bit of the physical, emotional, social health. Yeah, no, that's great. The uh, You had a previous guest, um, Greg Amundsen, who was one of the first uh, CrossFit, I think he went, might have been the first ones that started a gym, mm. but Greg actually coached him, the founder of CrossFit, before it was actually CrossFit. Wow. Uh, and so we were talking about kind of his journey, and it was like, you know, at the time it was just like this crazy workout that he just wrote on a whiteboard here's what you need to do and uh it was pretty funny hearing that you know and so i love that the community there i think is important you know we talk a lot Mm -hmm. about right you're the 
you're the you know the you add up the five or six people you spend the most time with. Yep. That's basically you know who you're going to. You're be. the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. A hundred percent agree. You know, yep. and so thinking about you know are those people healthy physically? Are they healthy mentally? Are they healthy emotionally, spiritually? Yep. You know, and it's just it is crazy when you get out of a situation. You know, or then you get into a new and like socially, and it's like, oh wow, I didn't realize the effect that was having. Mm-hmm. I think that 2020, I think, was a great revealer. Yes. You know, so it's like thinking about our, our relationships and stuff. Yep. Talk about then. So yeah, you are, you are very charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're outgoing. I mean, even showing up today. I mean, I think he stopped and talked to 14.7 people <laughs> as we walked. You know, 10 feet. You know, to sit here to to, to record. How do you? Like, how do you recover from Mm. a long week or, I mean, even a long day? Because it's like, I mean, you're busy. I mean, all our listeners are busy leaders. Yeah. You know, we we, we block time. We do all these things. It's jam-packed. And you're up at 5 a.m. or you're up before 5 a.m. doing a 5 a.m. workout. You know, you got all this stuff going. You're hosting, you know, events at your house and all this stuff. I mean, Mm. just all that. What does recovery look like? Mm. Well, some people are going to resonate with this unhealthy answer. Let me answer it in my unhealthy way is uh, recover by going on to the next big fun event, Greg. I, I look forward to the next one. It's like if anybody's ever, uh, you either relate to this or don't. Like when I remember the bus ride home every summer from summer camp thinking, what are we going to do tonight? Like, I, can't, what, I mean, this has been the most fun five, six days with all my friends. Who's going to, and I would be the guy that always organized the movie. We've got to go to movie nights. So go home, drop your bags off, see you guys at 8 o'clock. Let's go watch a movie. Like, we can't just fall off this cliff of experiential, relational fun. We've got to have another event to go to. We've got to anticipate something else. Uh, part of that is a gift, and it's a strength. Another part of that is potentially unhealthy. There is a rhythm. I don't know if balance is the word, but a rhythm of life that involves health. And people that I admire definitely have a rhythm. I, I'm... Blessed and cursed, maybe, but my personality, I, I just have an abundance of energy. It's who I am, so I want to use it in a healthy way for the good of others. Uh, at the same time, I can burn others out or be unaware that I might be burning myself out. Um, uh, so uh, I love my family. I think my family, someone asked me the other day, what are your hobbies? And I'm like, well, I'm a founder of a business that I love greatly. I never intend to sell. Uh, that I view as a mission that's also in a crazy rebuild mode. So it's not it's taking a ton of time, but I love it because it's about providing opportunity for my people and serving our clients. I love sports, so between Iron Tribe in the morning and love baseball, I coach both my boys' baseball teams in this season, daughter's basketball season in the fall. So sports is just a great connecting point. But honestly, all of that, really my our hobby right now in this season of life with four kids ages 16, 13, 10, and 8 is family. Family is our hobby. So whether it's a family trip, a family meal, coaching a a sports team, the purpose of that is to intentionally have time with our kids. And what we're calling, if you remember the TV show, the Wonder Years. (laughs) They're out of diapers, but they're not yet in college. They're all under our roof, and we know this time won't last forever. So time with our family, when I prioritize that, that creates the most healthy version of myself. We're, sometimes we're just sitting around the table. Sometimes we're reading books together. Sometimes we'll uh, travel to the mountains and hike. Sometimes we'll take a big, fun, adventurous family vacation. But there's something about our family and my wife's presence of our family and just all of the dynamics of our kids and personalities that really grounds me, makes me healthy. I'm content not having to do other things. We're together, and we're usually doing something, even if it's an intentional rest or um, 
you know, game night or so. Family is our hobby, and I feel like I'm the healthiest when I'm doing something with my family. That's great. I want to go back something you said there. I'm curious if you if you can speak to this. So you said sometimes I might be unaware of hmm. you know the my go go my energy you know my my pace basically yes. yep might be either hurting others or ter- tiring people out or, or maybe causing them stress you know what, all of those are true that I, so what have you done or like what what's been the process <laughs> there of saying ah oh, what what was mm. the realization is there a point you remember that or oh, yeah. you know and then what's the what do you do practically to kind of have some checks and balances because it's like hey you still have to lead yeah and you still are you know god's called you to be the man he's called you to mm-hmm. be in the ways but you know, if you're if you're sprinting in front of everyone, you know, it's like you turn around. It's like, where did everyone go? And, and I get that because that's kind of how <coughs> yep. I am too. You know, so yep. part, part I want to hear personally, like, hey, what have you done? What, what kind of checks and balances do you mm-hmm. put in place to ensure that you lead at a high level, but the team actually makes it with you? Yes. You know, yep. To, to, to the mountain. Well, uh, it's great. You, you know, you live inside your own world, and it's your own body, your own worldview, and so you're just unaware. So I. I you know, previously thought everyone's just a little bit slower. Well, no, I, I think I just run at a very fast pace. To me, it doesn't feel very fast. It just feels like this is what I do. But it's not necessarily the most sustainable or healthy. And it le- like any boat, it leaves a wake. And some of the wake is good and fun to ride, but it's not necessarily sustainable for everybody. So personally, uh, listening to your spouse is number one. I mean, Lindy, for me, will say, hey, you know, here's the calendar. Do you realize we've had four nights in a row of things planned? Now, I'm, now, after a few years of these conversations, yes, I do. In fact, I've only planned one thing this week for us, and we have an intention on But I'll block off. I mean, I will schedule to be home because, for me, the default is to say yes to too many things. So I will put on my calendar dinner at home. I'll create a chart, dinner at home. We'll set a goal on my goal app. Uh, for nights at home. The goal in 2019 uh, was 100 dinners at home with the whole family. We had 120. COVID year, we had like 250. But for us, we want to have at least 100 family dinners. Like if I can get that metric and what that breaks down to per month and per quarter, and I measure it, I mean, I, I apply all things business strategy to just being at home. And some would think, well, why? that's just should be normal. That's not normal. That's a, that's a keystone for us to have a healthy family for me to be healthy. Uh, dinners at home. If we get dinner right, back to Keystone Habits, then the conversations flow, then I do have time with my wife, I have one-on-one time, I have group time, it all starts to happen. Professionally, I've learned to, though I get up very early at 4.37, just the alarm clock time, I need to get to the gym for the 5 a.m. workout. Um, I've I don't come home and uh, I try, I try to, to get home and to be by myself for at least an hour to not even be around uh, my wife, let her have alone time, kids wake up, and then be home for like the 45 minutes we're getting ready for school. Then I'll usually stay home and work for the first hour or two. Because when I bring my energy and pace and ideas at 8 a.m. <laughs> when everyone's just trying to start their day and prioritize their day, and now I'm throwing 15 new ideas, because I'm an extrovert, I gotta talk it out to see if I like it, but sometimes to them it comes across as, he wants me to do it. Well, I'm not quite sure yet. I just want to talk it out. If I do that at 8 a.m., it's a, it's a grenade into the productivity of my team. So for me, one of the best things I could do for my team is to stay home for a couple hours and work at home and be by myself and prioritize, read, write, email, phone calls to others, and then come into the office. But uh, Ian Cron and his 
podcast, Enneagram, talks about the, the big, big, I think it was HBR study, what are the most successful CEOs, what's the number one trait, and it's self-awareness. So being aware, who am I, how am I perceived, how do I come across, what is the wake that I leave, and how do I leave a different wake to different personality types, and how can I just be aware of how I'm coming across. So that's a journey that I'll never master, but I'm I'm on the journey, I'm aware of it, and it's it's exciting to see some of my growth in that area. No, uh, really, the theme that has come up, I feel like with the last 10 episodes here, is the idea of intentionality. Yes. Is that if you want to be healthy, and again, we focus on physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, and the intersection of those. If we wanna be healthy, there's a level of intentionality that you have to have. Mm-hmm. You don't stumble into health. Yep, that's exactly I mean, right. Some people have good genes and all that, you know, that's that's maybe true, but as you experience, like, you know, you turn 30 or you turn 40, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wait a minute, we're yep. the magic genes, you know, you've gotta be intentional with that. Um, talk through some of, uh, some more of the things, because I, I love the, the 100 nights at home, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's that's a great metric, yep. and you're kind of taking these things. What are some other things you're doing? Um, what do you do, what do you, what are you doing in that alone time? When you're there, yep. What, 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 is, is that a is that a do you have a morning I, ritual or what's that? I do uh, again as an ENFP seven. My rituals even kind of vary a little bit. I don't like routine. I like I, I appreciate and know the importance of discipline, but just a rote ritual could get boring for me. I got I have to keep things fun to keep my own attention. Uh, but your our friend Andy Crouch said, uh, and I love it that the key to life just might be intentionality. So that is the word. I think every personality type could say intentionality is important. We should value it. Now, how do I go about it? I am more disciplined uh, than my personality would lead others to believe. Uh, I, I like to win, so I've channeled. My cheat code is, okay, let me set up a scoreboard and compete on disciplines that matter. So I spent, actually, about three years ago, I took a year and a half, and I charted about 25, I finished reading um, Atomic Habits and Keystone Habits. And I thought, what are the habits that matter most? I, I could have a thousand habits, but I can't keep track. That's too many. What what really matter? What determine my day and life and success and joy, thriving of others? So I charted everything I thought it might be. Is it what time I wake up? What time I go to bed? How long I sleep? Date nights, family time, workout, uh, food, number of meals. For, I mean, I charted like 30, 25 categories. And I thought there's really just a few for me uh, that mattered the most. And working out was one of them in the morning. Family time was number two. Time alone with my wife, whether it's a date night, a trip, there are various forms of it, and we kind of have a rhythm of when do we go away, or when is it just us, or when is it just even in an at-home touch base. Um, and scripture reading for me, inspirational reading. For me, it's, it's scripture. If I can start my day with a workout, and then my mind and heart centered on a story bigger than me, reminding myself I'm not the center of the universe, but I'm invited to play a part of it. Um, for me, it's reading through, and it just varies what I'm reading. So I, in the morning after the workout, when I come home, I will usually open my Bible, uh, and then at least two other books. One's an inspirational, uh, and then the other one might be a business type of book that's still pushing me mentally and challenging me to grow in wisdom. And I'm reading, usually I'm reading through, this is weird for some, my mom was a reading professor, but she got me. I'm usually reading through about 10 books at once and just which one feels right now for the day. And that's why I have this spiritual book on being content or it's this uh, challenging book on being more missional and intentional. Sometimes it's books on doing, sometimes it's books on sitting still. 
And then there's usually a business book that's just kind of capturing my heart and mind at the moment. I'll read through that. And that gets me to usually about 7 to 7.15 a.m. with a cup of coffee mixed in. Then I'll get ready. My kids get ready. I, I like to be father knows best at the kitchen table reading the paper. You know, they don't know that I've been up for two and a half, half hours. They do. But two and a half hours, already got the day underway. But I feel like, okay, I've, I've, I've looked my kids in the eye. I've looked my wife in the eye. I've looked my God in the eye. He's looked at me. I've worked out. I've competed. I've prioritized my day. I've prayed over my schedule for the day. There's always a last-minute tweak. I think that was important back in October when I thought the April version of myself wouldn't be busy, but that's not important today. I need to cancel that meeting. Do I really need to do everything on my calendar? And that, that's a really quick one-minute scrub, mm. but it's been really important because you just kind of by default, well, whatever I scheduled, well, that was yesterday, and I want to stick to commitments, but does that meeting really need to be an hour? Can that be 15 minutes? Do I really need to drive that place? Can I... And there's all, because there's always things to creep in the last minute. So how can I create even last minute margin for it so that I can spend the majority of my afternoon, evening with my family or whatever commitment? I love it. Hey, I want to kind of wrap up here. Talk about, <clears throat> I want to talk about stress for a little bit as, as a leader, as a, from an organization standpoint, but also again, from your calling, stress doesn't di- differentiate. Right, it's not saying, oh, well, here's mm-hmm. just here's work stress, and you can just when you go when you leave the office tonight, your stress will stay here. Right, no, it comes with you, right, and it and it bleeds in, and you know that's so much of so mm-hmm. many of my conversations the last six months, uh, and a number of clients is really just coaching through, what do we do with this stress, extra stress, yep. lingering stress, all those mm-hmm. things. So I'd love to talk about because, I mean, you said, hey, this was the great. It was kind of the great roller coaster down. Oh, yes. And now we're looking for the rocket ship up. Uh, like, kind of two areas. One, mm-hmm. what did you do to, I'm assuming you felt it more. Yeah. Uh, and so what did you do with it? And then two, I'd love to think about just from an organizational standpoint, there's a lot of more conversations on that of how do you, how do you handle the stress for the organization? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot at stake. I mean, you, oh, got, yeah. you got staff and team and then clients and all that stuff. So. Let's start personally. Like, how did you feel it? And then how did you start working? How, how were you identifying it? And then what were you doing with it? Yep. Well, in 2020, for the first time in my life, I felt like an elephant was standing on my chest. And I've never been able to relate as much. This is a, a gift that God gave me, the ability to now, I feel like I can relate more to when someone says I feel anxious or stressed or I have anxiety or whatever my worry or... In the past, I never quite, you know, I would feel empathy towards them, but I couldn't relate. I've never felt it. But there were a few nights, really the only sleepless nights in my life that happened in the past 12 months. Uh, I'll never forget Friday, March the 13th, 2020, when I realized every school in the country, we had, you know, this is a company I built. I call it my firstborn child. He's 19 years old almost, and all of a sudden, boom. So, you know, we have 840 employees. Our expenses are 100000 a day. And we went 173 days with no revenue. So we had to resize the company down to 140. It was very painful. These are friends and we've worked together for years and we just we, we were going to, going to go out of business if we didn't do it. And we might even go out of business if we do it. So there was a, a few moments, but one in particular, my wife, very emotionally healthy. We gotta get out of town. Let's go for a hike in North Carolina mountains. And I was praying on the way up, you know, God, give me a vision, give me clarity. There's this great hike outside of Highlands called Whiteside Mountain, and it's beautiful views. You could see the Clemson football lights from a distance and 
100 miles in every direction and praying for clarity. And I get to the top of the mountain and it's the foggiest moment <laughs> of my life. I can't see my hand in front of my face. I have a picture saved in my favorites. My wife took of me looking out saying, really, this is how I feel right now. I have no, I can't see. I know out there somewhere there's a beautiful view, but in the moment there is nothing but fog. Mm. I can't see my way out of it, smart my way out of it. I can't grit my way out of it. Everyone wants to pivot. There's My market is closed. I can't pivot. The market is closed. We have 5,000 school clients and I can't even get a hold of them. They're, they don't even know what they're doing. And they're certainly not thinking of the fundraising company. They're thinking about, can kids go to school? What's the death of this virus? How does it affect kids? And I'm thinking we're losing 100,000 a day and I'm, I'm gonna run out of time. But I know our mission's so important. We've gotta continue this. So the, there is a healthy level of stress that you feel when you, for me, when you walk in the pitcher's mound during a big game and it's you know, knowing, hey, I feel a little nervous. What we can call that, I don't know if it's stress or pressure, responsibility. There's a healthy level of it that generates adrenaline and makes leaders feel like it's time to lead. Let's go. I can be, I can fight or flight. I can be on my heels or my toes. Let's do this. Then there's an unhealthy where it feels like uh, you don't just feel the butterflies, you feel the elephant on your chest. For me, it was really, really two factors. It was really me giving it completely over to God, knowing that this is not my story to write. I would not be here without his plan, intentionally blessing lots of things and decisions far beyond my experience or ability. And my wife at the right moment saying, hey, let's take a deep breath and how are you feeling? And asking me all the questions that I don't ask myself enough. And then coming down from that mountain and me feeling like, literally expressing, like I feel like I'm drowning. I've been holding up this boat. The storm's still going. I'm, in the, I'm holding a boat of 800 people in the middle of a hurricane and there's no land in sight and we're out of food and water. And, I'm, and she reminded me that, you know, that's, that's the problem. You're not holding the boat. You really should see yourself in the boat. And for us and our faith framework that God's holding the boat, he has a plan. And the storm is not an accident. It didn't catch him by surprise. The storm will be used to strengthen our faith, to build our character, to create stories that we can be more empathetic for the next 50 years with others. So after that moment of me kind of breaking down and crying about it, and really it was me kind of giving it over, saying, that's right, that's, you know, I'm not in charge of the story and I can only control it to a certain degree and I can't control anymore. From that moment, I felt a sense of peace knowing, oh, we might go out of business and that would really stink, but God is in control. I don't think that's the plan, but if so, it's not. It's not I've done everything the right way as much as I can do. Um, so monitoring what, that was a very high level of stress in those, that season. Uh, some of it was healthy, let's go, and the other was unhealthy. We're like, wait a minute, I, I am putting myself too much in the middle of this story uh, and feeling too much responsibility. A lot of it's good responsibility, but then it was, wait a minute, this is too much. You can't you can't control COVID worldwide. <laughs> you can control your response and what you do. Well, if, if you could, then we would blame you for everything. And you don't want that. <laughs> That's so. right. So then what does that look like? What did that look like practically coming into the office and, and leading there? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't want to you don't want to project just tons of fear and tons of, no. oh, you know, because then all of a sudden people are like, well, crap, we got no idea what's going on. So like, yep, I'm wearing a wristband right now that has our company virtues on it, which is our version of values. And on the inside of the wristband, it says this is from an old hymn of the faith, but uh, we adapted it. So it's not super uh, 
faith-based to those that maybe don't share my faith framework, but it says strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And that was my daily prayer, strength for today and hope for tomorrow. What can I do that builds, what habit of health can build my daily strength? And I'm gonna project authenticity, but a hope, a hope. I have a hope. I'm not uh, wildly, blindly optimistic in this season. I'm certainly not putting time frames on when things are gonna get better, but I do have a hope at some point the virus will end, uh, crisis will end, students will return to school, and let's have hope that, at least in the business, that things will return or get better. In fact, let's not even let's not even wait and be reactive. Let's be proactive, and let's not build build it back or go backwards. Let's build it forwards, and let's let's reinvent everything. What an opportunity, guys! It's an opera. I'm choosing to believe that we have an opportunity to rebuild better than ever. So let's don't waste a crisis. Let's get better personally. Let's get healthier personally. And let's get healthier professionally. Let's get our individual habits and our cultural habits stronger than ever. Strength for today, hope for tomorrow. I love it. All right, last question. I ask this to all my, all my guests because it's always fun. We're talking about health. And so it's always fun to end on, what's your most guilty, unhealthy pleasure? Oh, wow. Well, I would not put cigars in the health category, so that might be one. Uh, I like cigars every once in a while. Um, I also love Ginny's ice cream. It's not too healthy. But both of those are great for creating relational (laughs) and cultural health, Greg. So a good party that has maybe a cigar or, you know, some dudes around the fire or family with ice cream is good for family health. So I'm really just trading one health for the other. I'm trying to justify this. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, man, hey, thanks. Where can people find you, find Booster, all that? Where can they stay in touch with your yeah, story? Yeah, uh, choosebooster.com is our company website. Boosterathon is our school uh, fundraising organization. You know, right now, if I could put a shameless plug in, we are looking for 277 new team members to start by August the 1st. So if, team, if there's anybody hearing this that knows of a young leader that wants to make a difference, change the world, be part of an amazing culture, serve schools, and help students in the moment that, at least in our lifetime, America's students need it most by helping them raise funds and serving teachers, uh, choose booster.com. We'd love to meet them and interview them and see if it's a right fit. Awesome. I bet it Well, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. As always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would share it with your friends. And if you really enjoyed it, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening, that would be a huge help so that other leaders can find us and learn more about what we're learning about. And don't forget, you can get 10% off your entire order at peakenergynutrition.com with the code podcast, 10% off your entire order. And remember, You owe it to those that you lead and to those that you love to bring your best energy. We'll see you next time.